Hey, welcome everyone to the Stats Above podcast. This week, we're going to continue our series of interviews with local astronomers uh, with Mr. Ivan Bob. So Ivan is one of the most well-covered astrophotographers from Singapore, uh, having appeared in features in Channel News Asia, Channel 8, and even uh, mentioned in Canon Singapore. Sorry, Canon Singapore. So how are you, Ivan? Yeah, hi, Brian. I'm good. Thanks for the intro. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh. Actually, the main point of this uh, series of interviews right, is to sort of prepare people to uh, for the lunar eclipse that's going to happen tomorrow, 26th May. Mm. Yeah, so, but before we get there, I'll just ask you a few questions that I asked everyone else that interviewed in this series. So firstly, uh, I'm quite curious, how did you become an astronomer? Like, how did you start? Oh, uh, well, this is... I mean, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll try and keep it not too long. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, I've pretty much been interested in astronomy since I was a kid. Uh, and I think it's quite normal for a lot of people to be interested in you know, space and rockets and all this stuff as well. Um, so, so, yeah, well, honestly, primary school, I actually go to the library and, and borrow these books on astronomy. So that tells you how much of a nerd I am. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but, but eventually when I reached the secondary school, that's when I bought my first telescope, bought it at the mm-hmm. science center. And then I started to try using it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, back, back in those days, which is not that long ago, but uh, technology progresses <laughs> really fast. Uh, you know, DSRs were not common. Phone cameras were not really a thing. So mm-hmm. it was just those little point and shoots. And I stuck it to the telescope to take a picture of the moon. And I think that that was something that really got me hooked because, uh, you know, I had the idea that I could capture a souvenir of the night. So from then on, I've, I've eventually moved into astrophotography because it reminds me of, of being able to capture the stuff that you know, previously I can only see in books. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's something that I find very interesting. Eh? Because I, well, all the other people we talk about, right, when they ask, I ask them how they started off astronomy, then most of the... One of the main things they say is don't start off with a telescope. But it seems for your case, right, the very first piece of equipment that you bought was a telescope and a camera. Is, is that the case? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I don't actually have any regrets doing that. Um, I, I know a lot of times when we introduce people to astronomy, yeah. we say don't buy a telescope, buy a good pair of binoculars. Um, yeah. but, but I think it may, you also have to consider the context um, sometimes because, you know, in Singapore, we have some pretty bad light pollution. If you have binoculars, it's actually better if you're somewhere darker, you know, can just really hold it and sweep the night sky and it'll look fantastic. Um, but in light polluted places like here, usually the good stuff we want to look at are planets and that's usually in the realm of where the telescopes come in. So uh, I, I don't have regrets jumping uh, in away, the deep uh. end. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, so out of all the astronomers that I know of in Singapore, right, you're like the most focused in astrophotography uh, amongst the people around my age like most of the people who are in the astrophotography type of deal right it's mostly people are like a bit older a bit more uh got salary that type of thing because astrophotography is a quite expensive hobby right yeah that's right so i i think that that's also one of the first thing that everybody asked me hmm. uh you know when i say i do astrophotography how much is your equipment? Yeah. <laughs> and then after how much is your equipment, how, how do you manage to buy it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's really from saving and, and buying secondhand and, and of course working part-time. 
Mm. Uh, so so that's that's the answer before anyone asked that question. <laughs> before you ask that question. <laughs> yeah. Um but but definitely it's a fruitful investment. Um at any point in time I usually only have one or two telescopes. I don't I don't mm. keep a fleet of them. So like you flip I, it la. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I switch it around. You know, when I want to buy something, I, I make sure I, I sell something else or so. So it doesn't get too ridiculous that I end up curating a museum. La. <laughs> <laughs> so right now the the equipment do you have, what equipment do you have on hand? Uh so so I have a five inch refractor. So that's the main one that I use to um do my astro. So so pretty much almost every shot that you see me producing that's that's from that telescope. I, I do have a tiny little one, uh sixty mm. So mm. that that's when I you know, just want to bring it out, um, put it on a little camera tripod and, and look at the night sky. Yeah, mm. so so currently two... Uh, two telescopes. Yeah, in my... Then list. for the capturing equipment, mm. do you also use a DSLR, like most other people, or actually you do use some other, some more specialized equipment, right? Ah, uh, yes, I do. So I actually use a CCD camera, so it's an astronomy camera. Mm. Um... Well, it doesn't look anything like a DSLR. Some people say it looks like an like a mini ice cream machine, uh, <laughs> but but really it's a. I mean, it is best described as a mini fridge. Um, it is not all that different from a normal DSLR camera in the sense mm. that, you know, you are treating the telescope as a gigantic lens and then you are just putting the sensor there. So I guess what really makes it different is there's cooling involved and it's black and white, so you have to run through different filters with it. But other than that, it hooks up to a computer and, and you just press the shoot button in the same way you press the, the shutter on, on a DSLR camera. Wow, it's interesting. So yeah, just looking through your in, your feature in Chan News Asia, I saw this and as you mentioned it, the filters that you use. So what type of filters do you most frequently use when you're taking astrophotography, astrophotos in Singapore? Ah, okay. Uh, so, so there are actually three filters that I use the most. So I guess uh, just some background on, on um, the reasons for all of this. I think as those of us in the astronomy community know, um, Singapore is, we have the crown of, of being the most light polluted country in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess also because we are small, so it's all in the city. So and, and light pollution definitely affects astronomy very badly. Um, so to create astrophotographs actually is almost essential to, to use filters if you want that really deep uh, contrast. So, so the three filters that I usually use, um, th these are called narrow band filters. Mm -hmm. So what they do is that they essentially um, look at light in a different way. We actually isolate um, the different elements in objects in space. So elements meaning like the chemical elements. Um, so you don't really think of them as colors itself, but you think of them as, as um, identifiers of elements. So, so the reason for this is because these filters, um, we can, if you just look at the sky with this, it only allows those elements um, that are present to shine through and all the rest of the light pollution gets filtered out. So the three filters, they correspond to actual chemical elements, which are um, hydrogen, oxygen, and sulfur. So it's the same type of filters that um, the Hubble Space Telescope uses to, to capture um, nebulae as well because they have scientific value. But of mm. course, for me, I'm not looking to do science. I'm looking to make pretty pictures. Turns out they have a great use in cutting out light pollution. So that, that's uh, how they found their way into my uh, you know, most used set. Mm. 
Yeah, so for me, I did try a bit of astrophotography once in as part of a uni module. Then one of the main things that I find was a lot of the pictures that we get, and like the raw pictures that we get are black and white. And I think we should mention just now also. Uh, so, and looking at your work, there's a lot of different, and actually looking at the works of other astrophotographers, right? There's a lot of different colors that are there. So how do we actually decide what type of colors are where? Yeah, and so which ones to highlight? Yeah. Yeah, f- fantastic question. I mean, that, that's something a lot of people ask as well. I mean, firstly, the first question that, that's asked is, are the colors even real? Um, and, you know, th- this is not really an easy question to answer. So, hmm. but, you know, just, just to break it down, when we take photos of objects in space, there are two ways that we shoot it. One is we call it true color. So when we shoot in true color, we are shooting through filters that are red, green, and blue. Pretty much the same way that um, the human eye works. We have cells that correspond to red, green, and blue, and that creates you know, the natural color that we see. Um, there's also false color, which is quite a lot of what I shoot in Singapore, which is using those element filters. So it's false color because we don't really take the actual color. More like whatever light comes through the filters, we assign it to red, green, and blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that gives us information on um, which elements are present where. So in that sense, those colors are, are not exactly real, are, which is, of course, why it's called false color. Um, but if we shoot true color images, um, when you take a true a DSLR, I mean, as you, pointed, as you rightly mentioned out, it, it does look quite muted. Um, mm. you know, it's, it's, a bit, it's not very contrasty. It's not very vibrant. So usually what we'll do is we'll boost the, the colors on those. Okay, so when we boost the colors, we are still doing it in a way consistent with, with how the human eye would see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that uh, cameras and the human eye don't see things exactly the same. So in post-processing, we try our best to replicate it in a way that uh, would be true to how we see it if our eyes were, were much more powerful, so to speak. Um, that's interesting. Because it's, uh, that's one of the main things that I sort of struggled with when I tried astrophotography at the time. Like deciding... Because my expectation at the time was when I took the photo, it would, re- it would be in color. And seeing it so muted was a bit of a shock to me. But eventually, as I learned from you guys and the professors in NUS, then I sort of got used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, DSR cameras are meant to shoot stuff in the daytime. Yeah. It's not really meant to shoot the universe. <laughs> so, so definitely there's additional steps involved. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, let's talk about something like more casual. So as we all know, Singapore sucks as a place to do astrophotography, right? So what's yeah. one of your favorite places to do uh, astrophotography? Uh, well, f- favorite, I-, I would say pretty much is the, um, the only really good place I've, um, I mean, rather the best place I've been to is, is Australia. Mm. Um, so Good is a bit subjective, right? Uh, yeah. The hassle is not good. <laughs> but, you know, that aside, the skies are fantastic. Um, I, I haven't really found anywhere else that's, that's um, you know, way better than that. Um, in fact, I think even if you go all the way to, to where the best telescopes are located, it's probably better, but not that much. Because even in Australia, you are already out of the city lights. Firstly, there's... I mean, the population of Australia is really small compared to its size. You can fit the entire world population there and it's still fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, and, and, and that aside, you know, the middle of Australia is pretty much a desert. So when you have a desert, the skies are really, really transparent. So 
you know, it, it's pretty much as, as good as you can get, um, mm. especially, you know, coming from Singapore and, and uh, yeah, the, the region around us. Okay. So, a few years ago, right, there was this picture of the Marina Bay Sands with the Milky Way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, as a, in your opinion, right, was that fake? Because there's a lot of debate around that point in time, like people asking, is this real? So, do, what do you think? Is this photo of the Marina Bay Sands with the Milky Way on top something that can actually be done in Singapore? Um, I mean, it, it's important to sort of at, at least understand the, the process of probably how it was taken. Mm-hmm. So, if you think of it, whether it's real in a sense that it was shot together in the same exposure, it, it most certainly wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. But it's actually possible to take photographs of the Milky Way from Singapore, even from very light polluted places. Um, but what you usually would need at least is quite a fair bit of stacking a really, really good night. Um, and even better if you had something to track the sky with. Mm. So typically what you'll do if you wanted to shoot the Milky Way in Singapore is you'll have all these things. So some sort of tracking, lots of stacking, and hopefully a fantastically good night, um, which comes uh, once in a blue moon. <laughs> but if you had that, um, you can actually get pretty decent shots of the Milky Way in Singapore. Um, mm. Of course, nothing compared to what you can get overseas. Um, but you know, you could you could theoretically get a, a shot of the Milky Way from even Marina Bay Sands. But if you wanted to have the building inside, um, you would have to shoot that pretty much separately. Yeah. So I, I guess in that sense, it's real in some places. I mean, in a sense that we can shoot it from Singapore, but not real in the sense that um, you you most certainly have to do some sort of composite. Mm. At least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your favorite object to take a picture of? Oh, favorite object. Um, oh, th- th- this is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, I-, I guess one of my favorite so far was the fighting dragons. Um, so, I mean, it's a uh, the the name is really impressive, right? Fighting yeah. dragons. Uh, and, and it's interesting because, uh you actually can see the, the silhouette of what looks like fighting dragons. And, and the best part is there's this little glowing object at the bottom um, or, or nearby the fighting dragons that looks like a dragon's egg. So Ooh, I, I yeah. think that's a... Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, uh, region. Uh, and I, I think I got really interested in it because I first shot it while I was in, in Australia. Um, and then I actually shot it again back at home. So... It, it kind of excites me to think that, oh, I shot something all the way there, but actually I could do it from here as well. <laughs> so, uh, and, and in fact, the picture from here was even better. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so fighting dragons. So that's NGC6188 for someone who don't want to type out fighting dragons. So yes. for when you were starting out, like say you're stuck in Singapore right, and you're not very, very familiar with Astrophotogra- uh, astrophotography, right? So what would you suggest, like, sort of taking a picture of in order to sort of uh, hone your skills as an astrophotographer? So I guess it also depends on what equipment you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, truth be told, the equipment cost does go up quite quite rapidly. <laughs> the, the more, uh, you know, the, the more magnification you want to shoot with. But, but I guess, you know, you can start off at the low end with kind of pretty much what you could get um, with a normal camera so these days you could buy second hand DSLRs for 100 bucks uh, you know, off, off 
club step or, or online forums. And you can actually put those on a tripod and start shooting wide fields of the night sky. And even then, you can get photographs of the Milky Way. And, and this is a very important skill or a useful skill still because you can actually learn stacking even without any complex equipment. So to, to get photographs of the Milky Way, great photographs of the Milky Way, even from Singapore, um, you'd have to figure out how to do stacking, um, how to time your exposures. And then from there, that gives you a, a grasp of how to do quite a fair chunk of astrophotography because a huge chunk of it actually lies in the stacking and post-processing part. Yeah. So after that, of course, you can, you know, if you really love it and you want to go further, uh, there's always gradual equipment update, uh, upgrades uh, you know, until your wallet cries for you to stop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be, it means it really takes a lot of dedication to be an astrophotographer anywhere in the world. Uh. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think even more so in, in Singapore, um, I, I'm, I'm sort of uh, tooting my own horn here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there are definitely a, a lot of the challenges, uh, aside from the equipment cost as well, they have to do with clouds and, and they always say sunny Singapore, but I always see it's cloudy, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cloudy whenever we don't want it to be cloudy and it's sunny when we don't want it to be sunny. La. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, All right. Cloudy when we buy new equipment. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot test out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Shag. Okay. Lucky for you, I think your setup was mostly indoors, right? From what I know. Yeah. So correct. it's not so tough, like say you set up, then it rains, then you have to tear it down again. So you can just leave it there and wait for a better night to continue. Yeah, that, that's right. So, so actually, I had it good, uh, to be fair. Um, I mean, the, the other part as well is, you know, if you actually have to set up your, you know, the astrophotography set up every night, you, you would have to essentially lug that whole thing somewhere and then do spend an, an hour or so just to align it. And if you get clouds, then all the effort is gone. So I have it good in the sense that I've already permanently aligned it at home. So I just got to switch it on, do a few uh, starting steps and it's good to go. So I really value the convenience of that. That's why I also starting, I also started to get lazy to bring it overseas uh, even before COVID. <laughs> yeah, because it looks heavy. Uh. Yeah, it's yeah, around definitely. the same, almost the same height as you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, almost the same weight also. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Even all the gym doesn't really seem to help. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, thanks Ivan for giving us your time to talk about astrophotography. So where can we find your beautiful photos online? Oh, uh, so there are a few places. Um, actually, if you just Google my name, Ivan Bok, uh, surname B-O-K, my name is unique enough that uh, you should see most <laughs> of the hits being me. You could find my Instagram, you could find my website, uh, and my Facebook is also public as well. So yeah, many places you can find me. Okay, then I think... I want to talk more. I, I want to also mention that short documentary that was made about you. What was the title? Galactic Pain, Galactic right? Pain, yeah. Yeah, is it? It's available on YouTube to be. Yeah, it is available yeah, on YouTube, right. right? Yeah. So I think that was a quite. I watched the premiere of it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that was a. It was quite an interesting, like film and quite an eye opener when I realized that your setup entire setup itself was located in an HDB flat yeah yeah which, that's right. which was I thought it would be like a because some of the other astrophotographers I know like they live in landed property 
And so they have sort of an advantage. But it shows that no matter what you are, as long as you're dedicated enough, then you can do it also. Lah. Yeah, you can find the stars wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks Ivan. Uh, see you again soon. And I hope we'll get good photos of the Lunar Kids tomorrow. Yep, thanks Brian. Okay, bye yeah. everyone. Bye everyone. Bye.